if the coffee stinks like an onion or sweat, you know, after you play Brazilian soccer, uh, after you play two hours in soccer, and uh, you are really bad, you know, you need some deodorant, you need to take a shower, this is what the coffee smell for me, this fermented coffee. Welcome to or welcome back to Coffee with April. My name is Patrick Rolf, and this is a conversation with some amazing professionals and entrepreneurs in the coffee industry. Sharing their perspective and experience, it's about integrity, quality, and the future. For the first time in a long time, we here at April are working with a Brazilian coffee. And we had the opportunity to sit down with its farmer, Bruno, from Fresenda Esperanza. It was a really passionate discussion about the quality of the coffee that we're working with and also just farming life in general. So we're sitting in, um, in Copenhagen. And uh, with me, I have um, our partner farmer from uh, Brazil, Bruno which is uh, pretty amazing that uh, you take your time to come up here. It's, uh, it's really fun and it's really, really rare that you have the opportunity to, to sit down with the farmer you're buying from uh, in your own office in the city you're roasting, right? So thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, in, the, in the cup, we're going to jump straight into it because the, the reality is this, that at April, we've been buying very, very few Brazilian coffees since we started. Like we've been around for two years. Last season, we didn't even, didn't even have Brazilian coffees. A big part of that is because it's been difficult to find a quality that is, is correlating with what we're looking for, right? So having a Brazilian coffee now for almost the first time in April is a pretty amazing experience. Uh, and, and for you guys listening, the only reason we have that is because of Bruno. So Bruno is, is basically helping us redefine what Brazilian coffee can be. And the coffee that we're, we're actually sitting here drinking together now, which arrived in the roastery yesterday, and it's going to be out for you guys as well, is, uh, is a big part of that. It's an absolutely amazing cup of coffee, right? We have, um, we have a lot of yellow fruit in the cup. We have a lot of florals in the cup. Um, it's a fully natural, but it's incredibly clean, which is all three things that is very rare to find in a Brazilian coffee in general these days, I think. Uh, so we're pretty, we're pretty amazing to be able to have it. Um, should we start by just um, talking a bit about the coffee itself? Yes. So, Ikatu, it's a cultivar, it's not variety. It um, was bred in Brazil in a Caronomic Institute of, in back, in, back in the 80s, 70s, 80s. Uh, and the problem was the rust. So, they were trying to find some uh, coffee that could be resistant to rust. Not immune, but resistant to, to, to rust. To, to rust. And they start to, to, to put them together and they notice that the Robusta doesn't have uh, the rust. So they start, but it was very hard because Robusta is 22 chromosomes and, and Arabic is 44. So what the Dr. Coffee, Dr. Alcides, that it's one of the most important guy in the cultivars in Brazil, he doubled the, the, the chromosome on the Robusta. So he has, he put two together, so 44 and 44, he breed them and after that he's starting to, to put them together. And my father, hates pesticide and so when when they told that they 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 have a coffee that doesn't need to spray or doesn't need to use the pesticide mm. he said this is the coffee that i want 
And back in 1980, my, my uncle was in the Brazilian uh, Institute of Coffee, the IBC, and he, they gave to him from Campinas, the Agronomic Institute gave to him a couple kilos of uh, seeds from the Aikatu. And my father was excited that they planted the Aikatu. The problem is, in these two kilos, I think that's 2,000 samples, we had probably 600 different trees. Mm-hmm. We have trees that's very small, pink, you know, it's because they are starting to build in the thing. Yeah. And for, I don't know, we harvest that thing, it was very hard because, you know, there were so many different coffees that we don't have the cup. So back in, uh, when I moved back to the farm in 85, uh, in, uh, uh, they released the new Aikatu. And in 92, I find, I went to the farm that the guy was having this coffee, was seven years old plantation. Guy from IBC, the first one that has the real Ikatu that we're drinking, drinking now. And I harvest myself the, 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 with my employees the, the yellow seeds. And it's funny because he doesn't have one tree red. Yeah. And we did only the yellow. He doesn't have red. And now we have probably 7% red Ikatu in the plantation. Now we are, what we are doing, because it's not that much, I'm harvesting the red separate of the, the yellow. Is there a big uh, taste difference between the red and the yellow? Uh, the sweetness is different. Okay. Uh, in no, the, 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 when you, you try the, 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 the sweets in the, in the trees, mm. for me, it's, I don't know what type of sweetness is, but the yellow, it's, the attack is hard, but it's fast, going fast. Yeah. And the red is not that intense, but it's more continuous. Uh, and the Ikatu, I really like the yellow much better than, than the red. Mm. You know, it's a big difference in sweetness. And so I grow this coffee and my father, if you see pictures, all the pictures that I have, all the pictures that he has is behind the Zika two trees. First, they are beautiful. They are like a five meters high. Looks like that has a lot of production. It's not. You know, it's a coffee that produces, like if I have in my Katuai with uh, two meters high, um, 40 bags per hectare, mm. the Katu are going to have 15 to 20. Yeah. So it's a big tree, but maybe it's why the coffee is more. So you have less, you have more sugar. The plant can give more sugar yeah, to more, less more beans. More nutrition to the beans. Yeah, to sure. the beans. And uh, so this uh, particular coffee is the highest altitude at the farm. The one that we are drinking is 1,230 meters high, the Ikatu. Uh, the farm, it's, it's, it's not a big difference because the, the lowest is 1,170 mm. and the highest 1,230. Mm. So it's six meters only the difference. And uh, we planted another one, 1,170. And uh, the deal is, the, the coffee is really different, outstanding. You know, the beans are small. Mm. So also it's not only the productive, but also the beans are small. So nobody wants to grow that yeah. too. And I have a neighbor that I processed his Ikatu. It's He's about one kilometer from me, the same altitude, totally different. Big beans, it's another Ikatu. Uh, right? sure. yeah. I don't know which one is it, but yeah. the big beans doesn't taste the same that the, the small beans in terms of... It's a, it's a big difference. And I know the, the, it's something that um, a lot of roasters or barristers out there are not really thinking about as well, that every varietal has about 100, 200 strains of it, right? So exactly. let's say you talk about geisha, you talk about ikatu, you talk about bourbon or whatever. Um, all the bourbons are different, all the geishas are different really? because there's so many different strains. So if you try all of these, uh, I was just in Costa Rica now and then we tried what, what was referred to as his kind of geisha garden where he has 50 different strains of geisha. 
there are different coffees, right? You wouldn't totally. believe it's all the same variety. Yeah. Uh, but with this coffee, it's a you've been through a really interesting processing with this coffee. Let's let's go through. Yeah, that. this this was uh, the, the mistakes that you learned from the mistake. Yeah. Not not the mistake. Uh, we are harvesting coffee, and usually in my, my in Cerrado region, what to have the advantage from other regions, had to have a very dry uh, harvest season. Yeah. So we had one year in my town that was eight percent the humidity. So if you compare the humidity in Sahara, that's 13, we are five degrees below the Sahara. Mm. Usually we, we have the humidity between 20 and 30, which is very good for drying the coffee. So you have less uh, risk of fermentation. This is why maybe the naturals from Cerrado can be more clean than the others. The, the humidity is low, temperature is low, so you have less fungus that, uh, you know, you have different fungus that can change. The same fungus in Cerrado, the same fungus in Caparó can change completely the cup. Because Caparó, the, the humidity will be 40-50%. So the same fungus there will change different. Mm. The growing more fast, I, I don't know exactly what is it, but... Uh, so the rain was coming. And so I have... I don't want my coffee that is with 16% the, the humidity in the patio get the rain. It will be ruining the coffee most of the time. So even if you cover, we decide to do different. We decide to take the risk and put this coffee in a bag and put inside the warehouse until the rain is gone. So, but the rain started starting rain two days, and after another four days, they are expecting another one. So, we wait for the second one. Mm. The pair was full, and the coffee stayed in the house for about 30 days 30 to 35 days. So, after 30 to 35 days, we put the pair again, one or two days, and it's ready. And uh, we don't need even this coffee was uh, milled one day after we put it in the warehouse. So we didn't oh, rest. We, did, we don't need to rest. It's already resting for spent 45 days to drive this coffee. So I was resting with 16% yeah. humidity. And I think that when I brought to the pair again, it was completely even the, yeah. the moisture. All the beans were about because they, they keep exchanging. And so we actually, it's, a, it's something that we're going to repeat with rain or without rain. That's so crazy because for, for those of you that don't know, I mean, after processing, a coffee would normally rest for one to two months yeah, but before this, the hulling. Yeah. But the idea, it's exactly, probably first, the dryers. When sure. you dry the dryers, it's not even the, the, the dry. So even if you, you taste the, 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 the moisture, 11%, maybe one bean has 15, another one has 7. So in two months, when the coffee has a steel parchment or the husk, they didn't hull it yet, they exchange the moisture. After you remove... The coffee is dead. You kill the, the embryo and you kill everything. And in that moment, uh, it's not changed anymore. After you hold it, you know, the, the, the green beans doesn't exchange the, the, the moisture between them. And the reason that we let the coffee two months in, 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 the, in the, the silo or in the bags, it's exactly to uniformize, the, to have the uniform, the, the moisture yeah. between all the green. But it's already did this in, in 45 days. Uh, and this is why I think that the concrete is better to dry than anything else, even the, the, the African beds. Because when you put the coffee in, in the volcano, they start the way that the volcano does. It's the moisture going up and, you know, after... If I, I can dry the coffee in 48 hours mm. from the moment that I... Before wash it, for mm. instance. I dry it for a couple of hours, put in a in a, the dryer, mm. in, 30 hours later, it's already ready to, 
Yeah, sure. To, to, to do whatever you want. We do different. I don't use the dryer since 2006. I was yeah. not even there. But my nephew, that was when we stopped using the dryers. Uh, and now we are not planning to use the dryer, at least for this type of coffee. Actually, when I increase my production, they mature the bad beans or the, the, the coffees that you... Because you don't produce... Produce in my place, I'm having like 55 to 6 percent great quality. So there's another 40 percent I can dry in a in a in a in a dryer. But I'm not I'm not drying uh, in a, in a dryer my good coffee anymore. What is the big? Because the, the different types of drying is something that we it's it's pretty interesting because the the more I travel to farms and regions now, the more I hear hear farmers like you swearing that patios is better than a race bed. And when I go around and I, I teach coffees all over the world, and, and we talk about these kind of different styles of, of the farming, um, more and more I, I start agreeing with you guys because the coffees that I'm trying that is dried on patios are cleaner most of the times. Uh, they're more vibrant and they have a better acidity structure, I find. Uh, but it's interesting because if you go around talking with roasters around Europe, all of them are going to swear on race beds. Yeah, this is... How I can call this? This is a sign of the times. You know, it's somebody told that this concept is very nice, right? It's very clean, but take too long, and the coffee is not has the, the like the one that is in the top is not the same that one that's in the bottom because you have so the temperature is different. Mm. And uh, I covered you saw that half of my pile was covered yeah. the, the, the African beds, and half was not. We are trying to do the difference between. Yeah. They change. Yeah. I thought that maybe if it's covered, you have more uh, uniform heat inside. Did not change? Actually, this the, we did one here. I, I can't swear that this is. But what I'm learning, I, I'm using. I was one of the first to use the the, the African beds in Brazil. I started using this in 2001, 2000, before I moved to the United States, and we had the big one that was three meters. The idea is has a lot of coffee, and uh, so I'm trying to do different ones, and now I. You saw that we built once, it's a smaller that I can do everything by hand. The good things in uh, the African beds is you can select the, the immatures. Because in the patio, it's very hard to, to you know, bend your knee. Mm. But in the patio, it's, and I did my patio a little higher, yeah. so it's hard, it's easy to, to select the, the, the only reason. So what I'm doing now, it's if some of the coffees I'm starting, you know, like I select the, the, the coffee put in the, the, the African beds, and after two or three days, I bring to the concrete and I finish the concrete. So the first two days, it's okay. This is low, uh, but it's better when a uh, concrete. I was telling you that now we have this kind of net that's the same that you use, but it's like the, the, the one that you use in a canyon beds, mm. the roll is about 40% only closed. Yeah. This one is 90% closed. And you can put in a concrete or you can put in a, in a dirt patio and the coffee will be clean. And good things, no rocks. That, that's so you don't have to do the concrete, right? So it's, it's no, a, no concrete anymore. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's a cheaper, more sustainable option than a patio. It's, it's about sixteen to twenty percent the cost. Okay. And uh, if you use tractors, what we don't use inside on on the patio, they guarantee you four years. Yeah. They they give you the guarantee of four years. So mine last year we did. Mm. After we finished the harvest, we roll and put in the warehouse. So it's, it will be forever. Yeah. No, but it's four years, it's, it's, it's enough. It's very easy. You take one day to do 5,000 meters. Don't only need one roll and, and 
That's amazing. Cover the patio. It's very nice. I mean, it's something new. Yeah. That uh, even the, the concrete, like my concrete next year, instead of uh, fix it, I'm going to cover with the concrete. I'm going to put this in the concrete too. No, that's amazing. I think one of the, because we, we visited the farm in back in November, right? And that's one of the interesting things with, with walking around on the farm with you, that you guys are uh, uh, really progressive, right? You're trying a lot of new things, which is really interesting. And I mean, we've known, we known each other for, was it four, is it four years now? We've been in Amsterdam, right? Is it it's, five years? Yes, five, five years. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think every time... It's actually, it's four years. It's four it's, years. Yeah. yeah. And every time we meet, there, there's always something new. There's always something yeah. interesting that you're testing, right? And I think I remember on the farm as well. You you showed us how you guys are working with the with the tanks now that you mm -hmm. put in water for for fermentation. What are we What are we doing there? Uh, I want to do a ferment the coffee, and I saw some like this carbonic maceration. The guy is using like a stainless steel, and actually it was not me. It was my son-in-law. This is another thing that's good because you know my father was you know passed away when we met mm. and he was 95 yeah. and he was still wants to do something new and so now uh and i was so he was accepting everything that i want to try he support me now i have my son-in-law and my daughter that is doing the same and my son-in-law decided to do a he wants to ferment the coffee for tangerine mm. that uh it's, he always saw the tangerine and i said this is never go down and i want to try so this year we did this with tangerine and the, the idea that we did we did in, a, in our tanks with water, didn't work out. So this year we tried to do in that, uh, we, we bought that barrels that they used to carry, some plastic barrel that they used yep. to carry, uh, olive or mushrooms, mm -hmm. and it's 200 liters and 140 liters. And the idea is we want to keep the temperature during the fermentation low, no. because I, I don't like, if it's heating, like I picture that I showed you today, that mm -hmm. heating, it's something that's gonna change. You know, I don't want to overheat. So mm -hmm. I want the normal temperature. So what we did is we put inside of this this um, uh, barrels, and uh, put in. We have a creek as you saw at the farm, and we drop that barrels in the creek, lay down. Mm. So half of the barrel has water. Yeah. And when we opened the coffee, uh, three days later, seventy-two days later, the coffee was cold, has never fermented. So I'm not sure what happened, but I can guess that was a slow fermentation because the temperature didn't go up. Sure. So the fungus and bacteria. Uh, that was growing, it started to be uh, less, that was not accelerated like everything. And so it was a very slow fermentation for the last three days. Mm. And after the three days, what we did, we put the coffee straight in, in, in the patio. Some we did in half beds and some in the patio. Patio was one, one score, one point score, you know, a score higher yeah. than the, the African beds. So it's something easy to do. We have the creek. It's not something that everybody can do because that creek, it's very convenient. Yeah, of course. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but the, the, the creek is in the shade. Yeah. The water is cold, but also in the shade. Mm. And I believe that I can put that about each time, about 3,000 liters of coffee in 15 barrels with 200 liters inside of that creek. So it's okay. It will be six bags each time. Yeah. Well, that's, pretty, that's pretty interesting because one, one of the things you need to, I guess you need to factor in as well is... Um, cost of production in that sense, right? And then those kind of coffees to be sustainable, to be able to actually sell, needs to also not be too expensive. Uh, but you know what? It's less that. money. Do you know why? I harvest the coffee from the machine, as you saw, selecting harvest, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the immature that's coming, I'm not removing now. I'm removing in the end, in the dry meal. So what we did is we get that coffee directly from 
the, the, the plantation, putting the barrels and, and, and dropping the water. So during three days, we don't need to do nothing. You don't touch it. Yeah, of course, you don't no. need to. And so and after that, when I drop the coffee, so I have again space in the, in the pad, right? When I drop the coffee, for some reason, it's going to dry a little bit faster, mm. maybe one or two days faster. So I gained these three days that I, do, that I didn't uh, keep mixing. It's actually more efficient. Yeah. Mo much more efficient. So it's, the problem is the number of the barrels that I need to have. And I was thinking this year, oh, maybe I should buy the one that the guys did. But it's going to change. Mm. The way that I did is lay down. If I put them stand up, the water probably, the, the temperature will be not the same. Because you know, when it's, it's laid down, once in a while the guy goes there and rolls that, uh, inside of the water. So you, you, you change and you keep the temperature exactly the same. Mm. So we already ordered one other. I, did, I have like about 2,000 liters. Now I want to have another. So we can do each two days, each three days, yeah. I can renew the, the... And this year we're going to dry some washer too. Yeah, sure. I'm going to put the coffee, yeah. ferment three days, and wash without water. I didn't this year because my, my the popper yeah. uh, was water. I don't have... But now this year I'm going to use one uh, Colombia one, it's the name. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the yeah. Penagro. Yeah. I'm going to use the Penagro without water. Mm. To, to try. I think that will be interesting to see this coffee washer. I think that's really that's what they, that's what um, uh, Alejo is using in Costa Rica as well. The same uh, the popper. Um, the Penagro. Yeah, it's yeah. the best. Yeah, for sure. I'm Brazilian. Uh, I'm sorry, Pinalense, but yeah. <laughs> the other machine is... Yeah, a, I mean, less water as well, which is a good thing. Right? No uh, water. It's, it's, it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. You wash it. You know, Ikatu has a lot of mucilate. Mm. When I was telling you that the beans are smaller, mm. but if you see the chair, the chair is big. With other words, it's have a lot of mucilate, yeah. but it's more beans, so you yeah. have much more sugar inside. I don't want to wash that sugar, that this is what we are tasting now. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. I think we, we talked about this this morning as well, where you and me have a pretty similar view on, on over-fermented coffees. Exactly. Or the, the, the new trend of coffees that I'm, I'm not sure if it's politically correct of me to say that they're over-fermented, but there's definitely a style of coffees now that is, is really just tasting like ferment. Especially coming out of Brazil as well. Um, Do you know what I'm telling now, people? If I'm going to repeat this, oh, please, you please can cut or not, but go for it. <laughs> if the coffee stinks like an onion or sweat, you know, after you play Brazilian soccer, uh, after you play two hours in soccer and uh, you are really bad, you know, you need some deodorant, you need to take a shower, uh -huh. this is what the coffee smells for me, yeah. this fermented coffee that... Uh, I think that says different in fermented and ferment. Mm. Uh, in Portuguese, you don't have this, but I think that ferment in English is bad. And fermented is means that the coffee is fermented somehow. And, uh, but you know, man, I'm not telling even the name of the guys that did the Q class with me. Uh, they did the roasting class with me. And they have one coffee. Do you know what? Fuck, its name is uh, fruit salad. Mm. Man. It's it's rotten fruit salad, mm. you know. It's a stinking. The people are crazy in Australia. You don't need to put this in the. But no, no, I think I mean this is a really important discussion because I, I I totally agree with you in the sense that a lot of coffees are today sold for. Uh, I mean, you we um, you you recently tasted a coffee again. We're not mentioning any names, but. Um, uh, a, a mutual friend of us is, is working with a coffee as well that is, is very, very expensive. Very, very expensive. 
but then you try it and, and you can't taste anything from the farm. You can't really taste the origin. You just taste this really, really, as, as you say, rotten or like really funky fruit salad. And those copies are sold for Extremely crazy high. prices, right? And then in the end of the day, they taste really crap. Uh, and, and would be almost um, a showcase of bad farming rather than good farming, right? Yeah, the problem is the farmers, they are getting so much money for this shitty coffee that they keep doing. I showed you a picture today that the coffee was smoking outside mm. and you have the buyer for that. Yeah. Some coffee that uh, was dried like uh, 20 centimeters high because the guy has too much coffee and I asked him for a coffee for me to, to represent him. He is up my neighbor. Mm. He said, you know, this year, unfortunately, you have too much coffee and I could not, my process was a crap, so I don't have the coffee. So he sent one sample to the Cup of Excellence and he played 12 in the Cup yeah. of Excellence. Yeah. The coffee was extremely fruity, yeah. but the fruity is over-ferment, mm -hmm. as, as uh, you can say. So I don't know how long it's going to take, but you know, the best phrase is what my wife tells us. You know, I was living in the United States and some Panama coffee that was extremely outstanding, some geishas, when the geishas start. And we got one away with an angle. And when Geisha from Joe Pollock Stamp Town, he gave to us, he works in, he was the roastmaster in Stamp Town, and he bought this coffee in Cup of Excellence and he gave both to us. And uh, we drink the, the Geisha first, and uh, we drink Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Deborah said, can we have a coffee today? Because it was not really what we want in the coffee. So you don't have the, it's a fruity, it's a different uh, thing. So, and I believe that Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that this is gonna go back. Uh, you are thought that you are in the coffee seven years. I'm I'm a little older than, sure. than you. I start. Uh, I remember I'm turning six, and uh, the first time that I cupped on coffee, I was eight years old with my dad. Yeah. I still have my spoon that he gave to me there. <laughs> and uh, but I went to try this all this this different coffees, and I always have this. Weird problem when I moved to the United States and back in 2001, 2002, mm. because I remember one day that uh, we're talking about the blueberry and blah, 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 and I have no idea what blueberry means. It's yeah. another thing that they need to change. Sure. So, how I can, you know, Brazil produce blueberries called Mirtilo in south of Brazil. It's, when I moved to the United States, we don't even have the Mirtilo. So, I have no idea what is that. Mm. And so, I remember one, uh, one friend of mine, Ariana, told me, oh, you need to have a muffin. The blueberry and you can smell. Yeah, I could relate that with that Harvard. Mm -hmm. But you know, man, I don't know. You, you don't know this. I'm talking about 2002. And you are kids still. In uh, 2003, and the Harvard was completely disgusting for me. You know, I came to, to clean coffee. My father, in, in Brazil, any coffee that has fruit was considered ferment. Even if it was sweet, it's good. And when I tried that thing, it was over ferment for me. And during three years, like people tell, oh, this is the best coffee, the natural sedamo that smell and taste like uh, tobacco. And you know what? I don't want tobacco in my coffee. Mm. This is my, it's personal. And from 2007 until I, I, I left, nobody was using Harvard anymore. Stump Town was still using some, some sedamo, some, but you know, but this has changed completely the, the idea of the coffee and the wash it was much more so we had problems with Brazil. You know, I, in that time, I was selling, selling washed coffees. I could mm. not sell natural. 
Yeah. Nobody wants an actor for a period. And after that, man, after I moved to Brazil, suddenly the people start with crazy thing. Uh, you know, Jacques Carneiro from Carmel Coffee, mm -hmm. he was in my place in 2006, and I have the Zika too, with the same fruit that we are trying today. You know, maybe a little bit more intense. And he said, your coffee is fermented. He said, every coffee is fermented. It's drying sugar is fermented. No, but this is not taste good. And I remember he said, this is your mouth. Maybe you have a rat in your mouth. <laughs> this is beautiful coffee. Don't... So I moved to Brazil in 2010, and I was with Ryan Brown. No, no, I was with uh, Carl Glenville, cupping the coffee. And we have like about 10 lots in one side of the table and one coffee in the, in the back of the, on the other side of the table. And Jacques came in and said, uh, I want you to try that coffee for me. And I said, I don't need it. I already smelled it. Mm. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, this is exactly the same that you copied in my, my, in my garage in uh, 2006. So do you remember? I said, yeah, now you're thinking that's a good coffee, yeah. right? So you changed. It was really good. It was fruity, but it was really good. Yeah. So, what I'm saying is the change changed mm. completely. And now these people in Brazil, they love that, uh, that they're fruity because they want to have more money. Yeah. So it's much easier to make. You know, you let the coffee ferment in any way. You don't need to select the beans. I mean, it's an, it's an easier way to process coffee, right? Oh, yeah. It's easier and less attention to detail. Plus, most of the times you have a higher selling price as well. So. Uh, and you don't need to do nothing. You didn't yeah. even to sort the coffee, the greens. Do you know why? The fruit is so intense mm. that the green is not show up. But th these coffees will fade faster than the others. Mm. So we had the coffee in December. And I had the problem with the guy that won Cup of Excellence in Brazil that bought one guy in London. Said, man, I got the coffee. It was very nice, very fruit. When I had here, I have the peanut. Do you know why? This fruit goes. Mm. And if the fruit goes, what show up? The defect. The defect is not big enough to over uh, uh, the, the taste of the fruit. Yeah, sure. But the fruit's going to go down in a couple months. Mm. And so this is the coffee that uh, it's a high price, but need to use it fast. Yeah. It's Which, not the coffee that tastes more than uh, three months, four months after you have it. No, definitely. And I come back, I mean, with with my coffees at April, the, the important thing is... I mean, we, we select to work with, with different farmers around the world because we, we have seen what they do and we, we believe in what they do taste-wise. And let's say I buy a coffee from you, it's very important for me that it tastes like a coffee from you, right? Mm -hmm. So with, with most of the coffees, with, with these kind of over-ferments or alternative processing, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting... Yeah, we, we're going to talk about... We're, we're drinking another coffee now. We're going to talk about that as well because that's on the subject of ferment. Uh, but to, just to wrap up, I mean, you want to taste the craftsmanship of that farmer, mm -hmm. right? So if I cup 10 coffees from 10 different farmers, um, I want to be able to identify, okay, this cup is from this farmer because this is how they do it. When, when I cupped, let's say, the, the, the coffees in the World Championship in Brewers in Brazil um, last year, then, I mean, sure, they're, they're expressive. You get, you know, the flavors are really intense. But you can't always tell where the coffee is from because you taste the process, not the craft. And mm -hmm. it's the same with, I mean, we, we talk about roasting. And if you, let's say you talk about dark roast, it's the same thing there. Where is the coffee actually from, right? And which roastery is the coffee actually from? It's very important that you can taste the craft again. Mm -hmm. And the, the cup we're drinking now, because we have two coffees here, because uh, I've just been in, in Costa Rica and... Uh, 
we've been talking about these experimental experimental processing so we have an anaerobic fermented coffee uh, that bruno is tasting for the first time i believe and the the interesting thing with the anaerobic fermentation what they do at least at this mill in in costa rica because it's, it's a large mill and then they get coffee from different producers and what they've done is that they identify a coffee or a cherry more specifically in a certain region in costa rica that has a very clear note of cinnamon they depulp that coffee they save the the pulp and then they bring in the pulp and they use the same pulp that they've frozen down uh, to ferment with different coffees from different regions. So the, the, and they do this in stain, stainless steel hermactic tanks. So they control pressure, temperature, everything, right? And the pitch is that the uh, pulp is so cinnamony in the character that it brings this character to the coffee, right? So over here. Yeah. Now but, that's but, cooling off the cinema, it's so intense. Yeah. That's well, what do you think about the coffee, this coffee? Oh, it's I delicious. Mean, now this is... You like this, yeah. Yeah, and this is the coffee that I can drink every day. It's oh, wow. different yeah. than other fermented coffee that, yeah. uh, even if you like, you don't want to drink the second day again because it's too much. And this is perfect. Now I would, I want to visit the farm because I want to know how he separates the mucilate. Yeah. I know that it's a penag without water, but mm. even uh, I want to know how, you know, I want to see this process. It's, it's, a, it's a really interesting, and, and what they do is that they, because uh, these kind of coffees are it's a fairly new trend in Costa Rica at least in like hermetic proper tanks and it's, it's still the same pulp so this pulp is from like five years ago oh really Fro frozen down and then they have a lot of it so they just portion it out whenever we come and they do these kind of really small so the one one lot here or, or one tank carries let's see 40 carries 90 kilos of coffee so the okay. process is 90 kilo of coffee at a time and they can ferment it for up to 36 750 days, or 36 hours sorry it's about it's 750 okay. liters. Yeah, and they do. Uh, they vary between you know wash honey natural first, and then they, they so they do part of the um, uh, part of the processing is similar to really any kind of coffee, right? And then they put it in the tanks uh, for for uh, additional fermentation, and then they dry it again afterwards. So it's it's, uh, it's just interesting to uh, to taste as well. Um, yeah, it's very 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 unique. Yeah, yeah, very unique. I'm, the cinnamon now is still yeah like I have a. Cinema role. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But on, so on the subject of ferment, because me, me as a coffee roaster that almost exclusively, well, uh, to be honest, I mean, your, your uh, Ikatuna will be the first natural coffee um, that we are working with that is, we, uh, we work with one other, that's Geisha Village in Ethiopia. That's a pretty exceptional farm. And it's a really, really expensive coffee. Uh, but apart from that, we don't carry any other natural coffees. Um, the reason for that is because I like clean coffees. Mm -hmm. Very simple. But then me as a roaster or a green coffee buyer, uh, even those small quantities, I'm a bit worried. I'm thinking 10 years from now, there will be hard to find a farmer that processes coffee uh, the way that I want to. Because I see what I see is I see farmers around the world um, that process mainly for the Asian market mm -hmm. or the Middle East market that is looking for really expressive fermented coffees and i don't blame them because there's a lot of money in it right but do you do you think that 10 years from now uh, a, a person like me can still go and get wash processed i think that's going to change it's going to change back you know it's uh it's like a wine industry you know you have time to time that you have something that's new that people then who likes the fruity coffee hmm. it's not who is in the, the market for 20 years it's the new, it's the new roasters. It's the new people that's 
people that never tried coffee or be used to have this shitty coffee from supermarket, yeah. when see that thing is so different, it's so put that, oh, this is the coffee that I want. In reality, if the guy drink coffee every day, a couple of days, he's he going to change. So, you know, for me, coffee needs to have the sweetness, cleanness, and uh, the chocolate, the nuttiness, the caramel, and the fruit. I like the fruit in the back, in the aftertaste. If the fruit come up front, it's something wrong. It's, mm. you know, it's too much. Yeah. And I believe that the people is starting to... And I'm seeing this often in my place, in my coffee shop. People that drink the fruity coffee, and uh, they oh, it's still outstanding. So they drink one cup and I said, can I have the Ikatu or mm, the, mm. the other coffees that this... Usually, the washed is the one that... Uh, you know, it's, it's easy. I sell four bags of uh, fruity. It is not that fruity that are extremely fruity. Mm. Four bags, four to five bags a year. But the naturals, clean, is 70 bags. Mm. So even from other producers, I buy coffee from a, like you do in, in my coffee shop, we roast and we buy coffee from other regions. And the fruity, we don't buy more than 60, maximum 120 kilos. And, uh, you know, and you can't serve that coffee every day. Yeah, sure. So you need to serve the coffee one week, and after one week we spend two months or one month without serve again. It's oh, it's like something new, but this is not the coffee that uh, if you see it in the shelf, we put the fermented coffee there, and uh, you put ten bags, and stay there for one week, and then other ones you sell ten bags, fifteen, twenty bags every day for all the other coffees, and the one that so we don't roast a fruity coffee every day. Yeah. I think I think that's really interesting, and I mean one of the one of the things uh, with you as well, which really sets you apart as a producer, is that you actually have coffee shops and a roastery, right? Yes, which is very very rare. And it's cool. It's, it's extremely rare. I mean, yeah, visiting there in November as well. I mean, it's 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 really cool to to be able to go there and and you know taste a coffee that is is, is roasted and brewed by the by the farmer, right? It gives. Um, it gives you a very interesting perspective and an, an ability to relate to what we do as well, which I think is really important for me as a roaster as well, because then we can speak a common language in terms of quality and taste as well, um, which, which I think will improve the coffee overall, right? And I think that this is the history. Uh, I'm fourth generation. Mm. And my daughter, even she's not into the farm, she's into the, the, the coffee shop in the school. My mm. son-in-law is the one that is starting to to go into the farm. I already have two nephews mm. and one it's 17. He's now more into coffee. He already did all the barista classes, yeah. roasting class, and he's the one, the next one. The other one is already, the rust is roasting and he's, he's very good, one of the best uh, copper that I know. And uh, I think that this is the difference, the way that my dad always looking for coffee. Mm. My dad like always to have the clean coffee. We never bought one bean of roasted coffee. He always has, you know, even we roast in that round pan, you will not believe. And he always, the problem is, he needs to train every time that some lady doesn't roast anymore. He needs to train somebody to roast for him. Two kilos each time because he wants to, if that particular roast, he doesn't like the dark roast like mm. the, everybody in Brazil. I think so. Uh, I think that we have a lot of people that are doing like that, you know, people that are third, fourth generation in, in in the coffee business, this is the one that I still trying to do something. Uh, that's what they learned in the past. Yeah. You know, this is not going to change. Sure. You know, you you have you know you have some things that is made the same way for I don't know how many years, like yeah, wine, yeah. chocolate, and the same, and they keep the same consistent 
taste in the, that that in the people lost. Yeah. And uh, and the only way that the producer can survive in the coffee business nowadays it's or needs to be big, mm. produce a massive, so he gains in the, 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 the amount, or he needs to do quality. Mm. So we decide to do quality. And quality doesn't mean the amount of bags that you can produce. You know, you can produce 10,000 bags and have amazing quantity of good lots. It's, if you produce 10,000 bags, you need to have more patio. Mm. So this is what people don't understand. They, I have a friend that uh, he was doing a very good job in, uh, and we are, uh, uh, I'm using his coffee and one day he called and I said, I'm planting another 100,000 trees. And I said, and how many patio mm. are you doing? No, I don't. I, I have the dryer machine. I said, this is not to work. You need patio. Yeah. You know? And he was mad and he, he ended up that he, he grew 50% and uh, the other part he decided to do another patio mm. to, to improve the quality. Because another thing that I'm seeing the producers doing, you know, numbers. People think that numbers is very important. Yeah. So one day I came to a farm and the guy said, since the first day I have every batch that I dried in this dry, I have each 30 minutes the temperature in each one. To go nice. How compare the taste of this one that you try this way with this one? They taste the same? Mm. So what do you mean? And I said, what what this number means? Mm. You know, it, it, it's like the everybody has the cropster, but they roast the coffee and they don't cup the coffee. Oh, I have the record here. Yeah, but you don't have the cupping records. Mm. Doesn't matter. Numbers doesn't say nothing. I can't I can't taste the numbers, right? Sure. I, I'm not sure that this each year will be different. So next year it will be different than this year because the weather is changing and uh, so the only way that I can really know if the coffee is good, even roasting. You know, the humidity coffee gonna change, the temperature today is change. So if I don't cup, I don't I don't and people now is they are trying to do something automatically, you know. Mm. They find their own way and they want to keep that so like they push the button. And to keep the consistent my understanding of the roasting. The day that I'm roasting the coffee, the temperature is 10 degrees in Brazil or 15 degrees. It's very cold. It would be totally different the day that I'm roasting is 32 degrees. Sure. So I don't have climate control in my roaster. So everything is going to affect. The mm. air that's going inside of the roast is different. So roast is not something that I push the button. It's not a cow. Right? To roast, to production roast, you need to pay attention. You need to roast all day long. Sure. So you need to watch the coffee. I don't know uh, what you think about this, but... I can't roast without the trier. Mm. If I can't smell, I can't, you know. Uh, I have a friend, Isabella, you probably know her, Isabella Raposelli. She's, she's amazing uh, in the coffee too. And she always jokes with me because she, she doesn't agree that uh, you can't. She thinks that when you remove the things, you're uh, going to change. Wearing, uh... you know? But in my school, what I'm doing, and I'm craving the, I need to, to try the coffee, mm. you know. Mm. I, I can't expect the, the, the crack if I can't. Uh, Smell the coffee. It's old school. Yeah, it's sure. my, my yeah, Marty Curtis school. So this is uh, my school. Marty, William, this is the guy that roasts Joe Pollock. This is how I learned to roast and, uh, mm. besides my dad. But my dad, I roast in that small, you know. Yeah. No, I, I think there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of value in that. And one of the, the I love Cropster. So I'm a, I'm a huge believer in, in recording data. But the, the challenge that we have now, as, as you referenced as well, is that People are uh, roasting is almost more of a, a way of, of painting these days mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. people roast based on a curve, right? And that's completely bullshit. I agree. And then people need to realize that because it's about what's happening in the roaster 
It's about what, what's happening with the coffee. The line is just showing you a, a reference curve in terms of a probe reading that the, the computer does, right? Um, so let's put it like this. The only way to roast consistent is to roast different. Yes. Right? I agree. I think totally that's a agree. really good way to, to put it because coffee is changing. Environments are changing. Um, and for those of you that are following this kind of perfect rate of rice curve or whatever you call it, uh, if you do that, let's say six months in a row with the same coffee, you're going to be extremely inconsistent yep. in terms of the final results and in terms of the taste of that cup, right? Even if you have the coffee in a, in a vacuum pack, yep. because the coffee can be consistent, but the environment will be different. Yeah, exactly. The air and everything will yeah, be for different. For sure. And, and I mean, it's, again, we, we have this all the time where people are... Uh, I do this when I do consultancy as well. I travel around and then people, yeah, but we're super consistent. Just look at my curves. Yeah, but have you tasted your coffee, right? It's the this same is, thing, right? This is my question. It's like your coffee doesn't taste consistent. I so don't care if your curves look the same unless your coffee is consistent. In my place now, we have crops there for like three months now. Mm. I was using one from Marty Curtis, but I'm still waiting for, for the new one to be released. Mm. Actually, when it's released, I'm sending you one for, for you to try for a couple months. Mm. So you try for six months free. Mm. You're going to have the open cup. Mm. And the roast master together, yeah. so you can like the same that you have in crops. Yeah, yeah. But we are using crops, but even before using crops, we are doing the the, the curve. Uh, you know, they stole my computer, and I could not install. Stole oh. the computer, then I could not install the program again because mm. market is changing. So we start to doing by hand okay. uh, the, the curve by hand. But the only way that we are doing is roasting and cupping, roasting and cupping. Otherwise, you know what's the, how is different? Is better? No, I don't know. If I don't cup, I don't know. Yeah. No, the color doesn't. We have uh, uh, the Q class to have a very nice test that Marty loves to. It's the thing that he loves the best. No, they change very easy. But I don't know if you know the roaster ID mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. cup of the, the Q. So you have one. In I can tell you, I roast uh, to one in three point five to four minutes. Mm-hmm. One in nine minutes. Yep. Another one in thirteen minutes. Mm-hmm. And another one in. Uh, uh, 35, 30, color exactly the same. Mm. I put them exactly the same color, mm. but they're gonna taste totally different. Yeah, sure. You know, and sometimes, you know, it's something, this is the roast thing. The 10 minutes roast mm. is supposed to be the, the correct one. Sometimes the 13 minutes roast is the correct one, yeah, sure. and the 10 will be burned or, yeah. you know, you always try to do something like that. So color, it's one of the things that you, but not, not only color. No, for sure. So if you don't cap the color, it doesn't matter. Do you? Well, it's the same. I mean, when when you're when you're um, drying your coffee, for example. I mean, you have let's say your 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 aim is to reach eleven percent moisture, right? Which which is kind of a standard. Then I mean, depending on how you get to those eleven percent, mm. that's going to be the important part. Totally right? different. So it's, it's the same with roasting, right? I mean, you you we we use color as well when referencing roast. Uh, but I mean, I can get that color in a thousand different ways. Yeah, a thousand right? different ways. And then then those ways are going to impact how the coffee is tasting, right? So for sure. So when you're talking about the drying, this is, is, is drying, saying that roasting is the first time that you okay roast you put the heat mm. in in the drying. I have the heat from the sun mm. or from the dryer, right? But the idea is the same. Yeah. You know, drying and roasting is the same. Cause in, I don't know if I could say this, but in the end, roasting is drying the coffee after. Mm. You know, yeah. you are removing the moisture sure, from, sure. from the coffee, right? Yeah. So it's the process is the same. So I'm trying to reproduce uh, the both sides. You know, what I what I get in the roast, I need to, I bring to, to the patio. And what I have in the patio, I try to bring to the roast too. And, you know, it's 
as you also know, you have 100 different ways to roast. Mm -hmm. So you can have 100 different ways to roast with a great quality in all the different ways. It's, a, it's like driving, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, you can go to different ways. You can go longer, sure. you can go, so it's, it's like the same. Yeah. Right. No, which I think is part of the, I mean, it's part of the fun. And, yep. and our job is to find the kind of the, the best way to end up there. Right? Yeah, otherwise it would be too easy. You know, if I have like a microwave that I can put the coffee in, that's it. So what's, what's, what's the beauty of that? You know, the beauty is exactly that it's nothing, uh, oh, next year is easy, I'm going to do this. No, mm. if maybe the temperature next year will be, Harder or can have much more rain. I have like this year. I was telling you, we have we had flower last week. You know, we're supposed to finish in November, and I have flower in, in January. Mm. So we still have flower because the, the climate change. Yeah. So this is the, the proof of the. the we we, we, we talked about that before as well, right? And there there's I mean obviously still a debate whether climate change is a thing or not. But as you said as well, come to my farm and they, they see. Come the to my farm yeah. and you spend a couple. See. The history, what we had last year, we had this year and next year, ever, ever, everything changed. Yeah. And uh, I'm really worried, I was telling you earlier, that uh, maybe in five years I will start to needing to put some, some shade in, the, in my region. Yeah, sure. Because it's, it's going to be too warm and uh, too much sun. Right? It's like in 1,200 meters in my place, mm. would be equivalent, let's see, 1,400 to 1,600 in Costa Rica, for mm. instance. Because the difference... So I'm a uh, 19 degrees, they are 12 or 13, so it's six different. So if you see the sun, it's... Uh, but if they are below 1400 meters, mm. they need, they must to have a shade ground, yeah, right? Sure. It's like in Bahia. Mm. Bahia, they are 13 degrees. So it's the, the, the elevation, it's 1400, between 1200 and 1400. It's a unique. I don't know if you try the Bahia coffees, it's also too unique. But uh, they need shade ground, mm. partial shade ground. Mm. So in Bahia, what they do is they have one line of uh, trees, mm -hmm. five rolls of coffee. On the line of trees, so they have trees partial shade ground. Sure. If you go a little north, three de uh, seven degrees mm. uh, south of the equator in uh, Taquaritinga do Norte, which is in Pernambuco, northeast of Brazil, uh, the oldest coffee, you know, you know I'm going to tell the history how the coffee came to Brazil. But they need to have 100% shade ground. Yeah. They need to have uh, really 100% shade ground. It's, uh, it's in the forest. Yeah. You know, they to have monkeys. Mm. Uh, the little monkeys coming in. You see inside of the forest, suddenly you see one coffee tree here, another coffee tree there. It's, it's a very unique place too. But the, if they don't have it, they don't have coffee. No, no, no. I tried their coffee now when they don't have the shade. Man, it's a piece of shade. This corn is terrible. Yeah. Same region, it's about 20 kilometers one each other. Yeah. So the same, basically the same altitude, the shade ground, it's, it's not the best cup of coffee because the altitude doesn't help too much, but, sure. but it's really very good. It still makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah sure. Let's go, let's go back to, to your farm, farm again and the history. Um, first of all, which is kind of interesting, um, I mean, from Brazil standards, your farm is tiny. Yes. Right? You must be tiny. one of the smaller farms. In, in uh, I have a small, in my place, we have 400 coffee growers. In uh, okay. some, it's, you know, they have like about, they milk a little bit and uh, they have 10 bags, 20 bags, 30 bags, 100 bags. Okay, sure. uh, my farm, it's, for my region, mm. for my neighbors, I'm a smaller. Okay. So, uh, it's kind of compared with other countries, like this year, you're going to produce 900 bags of coffee. Mm. Next year, we're expecting... 
1500 mm-hmm. and uh, we, our plan is go between three and five thousand one year three thousand and uh, maximum five thousand bags in probably six years from now mm-hmm. but it's still small for mm-hmm. for for brazil yeah. the real the only problem is now i planted coffee mm-hmm. now i start to needing so it's why i'm already increasing the number of the patio mm-hmm. doesn't matter if i have coffee if i have enough space yeah. So I need to think about this, you know. And yeah, I, think, I think a lot of people are are underestimating the the difficulty that goes into the logistics, yeah. especially of drying, right? That's what that's why, for example, really big mills. I mean, you have a wet mill and then you send your coffee to a dry mill, so that's a slightly different thing, right? But even if you let's say you do it in the same location, um, a very big part of why really really large scale operations are not generating quality coffees because it's too much exactly and it's time-based right you have a exactly. schedule so you know that in the afternoon i have 10 more trucks of coffee coming and it start processing so whether this coffee is done or not it's going out the patio right exactly so it's a very very different thing so the interesting thing with the smaller mills or the smaller farmers is that they can be more flexible with their time but even then there's still a pressure to uh, to, to dry in a certain way, right? So about when I moved to the farm, one day I met a producer. Mm. He's, he's produced good coffee. He doesn't produce uh, extremely good coffee. Sometimes by lucky. And he's a big producer. He's produced nowadays 30,000 bags. And he doesn't care. It's, he, he's very good producer because he has coffee from three years ago. Mm. He sells the coffee from 2000. He's selling now the coffee from 2016. Okay. So it's 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 commodities coffee, it's good, but it's yeah. commodity. But he he taught me one thing that I will never forget. When I moved, he said, you know, we are neighbor in one farm, and he said, if you are producing uh, hundred bags, you must harvest in three months. If I'm producing thirty thousand bags, it's also three months. Doesn't matter how big you are. Sure. You know, if you produce hundred bags, probably your patio it's small. Mm. So you can harvest in three months. Mm. If I produce 30,000, I have 10 dryers, 20 dryers, I have big patio, take the same time. Same time. So it doesn't matter uh, how big is the farm. The process, the farm, it needs to be harvested between, in my case, June until end of August. Mm-hmm. So I always spend, doesn't matter, like this year we produce 50% of last year. Mm-hmm. Took the same time. Yeah. We start basically around June and finish in, 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 uh, in August. We start by selecting, by harvest. In May we do a little bit for showing the, the, yeah. the, the like Berlin is it. Yeah. If I need to start in May to have the coffee red, but it's only a little bit. Mm. And uh, it's not the best coffee. Uh, is, it, is it true for your farm? I had this discussion a lot with the farmers we work with and I tend to almost always prefer the later part of the harvest in relationship to the first one. Is that something you, you feel as yeah, well at the farm? This is what I, I believe. This is why I only harvest my cut in August. Yeah. This is the coffee that I like the best in the farm. So I always harvest this is, uh, later. Mm. And always the first coffee, I'm talking about the natural, it's no doubt. Mm. So what I do, it's the first, I can't start in August everything. I don't have enough time. Oh, of course. But what I do in the beginning, that show that I showed you today that the machine is very, it was June 28th, yeah. that is washing. Mm. So the first coffees needs to be washing. Mm. After end of July, August, uh, I liked better the natural. Mm. You don't know why? In my region, in August, I have around 50 to 60% tree dried. Mm. So my best Ikatu, 2001. 
mm. when I moved to the United States. Uh, was the best cough that I, I already have. I harvest 100%, 11.5% from the trees. I have 11.5% moisture from more, the trees. On the trees. What happened is in 2000, in this year, no, no, it was one year that we, we didn't have rain until November. So when the rain came, we have one flowering only, mm. you know, and so it was beautiful. We don't have, so I could wait for the coffee tree dry. And the Katu has a particularity. It doesn't, it's very hard. The, the, the pickers hate. So the machine, I need to pass three times because the coffee does not go out. So it's another reason that you see that's clean. When you pass the machine, you mm. don't have greens coming. Sure. And you, too hard. You said something interesting with this coffee as well, uh, if I understand it correctly. This is harvested. Was it harvested during full moon or is it yeah. just in the full night? Moon. Yeah. I always try to do, it's always try to do the Katu in August, the full moon. Yeah. And this year was a bloody moon. Yeah. The eclipses. Yeah. And what was the, just so that everyone here uh, understands the story, what, what, what is the story behind the picking in, in full moon? I don't know. It's a, I'm not exactly, it's, it's a biodynamic and this is came the idea that uh, Graciano Cruz did a harvest during the full moon and he did in the different times of the day and he found out that the, the full moon, the coffee has a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if it's changed or not, mm. you know, and uh, I don't know because I always do the same. I mm. try to do the same in a full moon. It was a coincidence that mm. this year we really picked, decide to, to, to get that Ikatu in that uh, particular day. And some was harvested by machine, and some was harvested by, by hand pickers, the, mm. the smaller one, the new coffee trees. Yeah. Some of these coffees from the, 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 because I put them together, I yeah. didn't separate in the end. Sure. So it's, it's the same variety, it's the only difference, it's 30 meters difference, yeah. the altitude. Mm. But we harvest the same. And so now my Katu will be always, I, I'm gonna harvest two coffees in Zealand this time. Mm. Will be my, uh, the one the line that you saw, that the yellow Katuai, and the Ikatu will be in the full moon. I can't do everything in a... No. I, I want to have some in a full moon in June, July, but in August, it's always been the best. I have probably 60% of the, 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 the tree dried. And in my region, in my farm, the best coffee is the tree dried. Mm. You know, if I'm telling you that this year that I had 100%, 11.5 from the trees, was amazing. Mm. was the highest score that we had ever mm. in, in the coffee. You know, so uh, this year we'll be not able to do the same because we have too much flowers. But yeah, sure. But I think that easy to do select harvest. The katu, when you pass the machine, and uh, this year the katu, I'm gonna try to do everything at night. Mm. During the night, it's cold, all right. Yeah. And the coffee is hard to remove. Yeah. So the katu is already very hard to remove, even if it's 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 the cherries. So if you do during the harvest. The green will be cold, it will be hardest to remove, and it dematures. Mm. So you're gonna have much more. And this, I think, that was the, 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 the cleaning the cup, it's being natural. I want to ask you one thing. What do you think about the honey process? That, that's actually a really interesting question because I'm uh, yeah, just back from Costa Rica and uh, red honey, I mean, they have different degrees of honey these days, right? Whether it's white honey, red honey, uh, black honey, which is simply just a reference to the amount of pulp they keep mm -hmm. on the, the bean itself. Um, the, the pitch behind it from a farm perspective is that you can add some of the kind of fruity characters coming from a full natural, but then keep more of the cleanliness from a washed coffee. 
Um, I think honey is interesting. We actually had our first ever honey processed Ethiopian coffee coming out this season. Uh, so they started, they've started with that many years ago, but then this season was when we have a lot of roasteries in Europe working with it. I think in Ethiopia, it's been a huge fail. Uh, I think the amount of Quakers we had in our coffees because of this is has risen uh, unproportionately. I think there's something in the harvesting there that just doesn't work. Um, so I've been really unhappy with it because it hasn't added anything to the taste experience apart from a lot more Quakers, uh, which just makes the coffee more papery, right? In Costa Rica, however, which is, uh, I mean, Costa Rica is far superior processing-wise than, for example, Ethiopia. I mean, they do it so well. Uh, so you don't have any Quakers in the coffee. Uh, and I do believe um, that it adds some fruity characters to the coffee. Personally, I, I always prefer a washed coffee. I think one of the interesting things that I took away from the trip now is what they refer to as a, a, a white honey or a yellow honey, which is a very, very small amount of pulp. It's about 5 to 10%. So it's, almost, it's almost a washed coffee. And I've cut some of that, and that actually is... is slightly sweeter than a wash, but as cleanly tasting as a wash. So the coffees that we buy from Costa Rica now for this season from Mulcana Sol is, um, is going to be what, what he calls a yellow honey. I think I'm going to call it a yellow washed because I think that's a, mm -hmm. a, a more appropriate name almost. That I like. But This I, was not the, what they call the Pulpit Natural. It's, it's, no, similar-ish. Because my Pulpit Natural, I don't have more than 20% of... Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's kind of, I mean, we, I talked about this in Costa Rica as well. I mean, the issue with all of these terms is that, um, you know, depending on who you talk with, that's going to be a completely different thing, right? So it's really, really hard. I, I really prefer to talk percentage of pulp on the bean rather than giving it a name mm -hmm. because it's so, different. it's so different, right? But uh, I mean, I'm coming back to washed coffees always, always, because they're okay. cleaner they have a better shelf life, and they're more stable. I mean, the cup we're trying now, I mean, the, the Ikatu is amazing, uh, but again, it's, it's, only, it's also the only natural processed coffee we're buying in April mm -hmm. because it's one of the, the, the few natural processed coffees that taste like the, um, like the cultivar, right? I can taste what you've done with the coffee. The I can cultivar. taste the, the, the origin of the coffee, right? I don't taste any bad fermenting notes. If I go to Ethiopia and buy naturals, Geisha Village, again, is the, is the, they do amazing work, but all the other natural coffees, they taste like ferment. No, I was in Uganda doing a training. Yeah. They took me to Uganda to do a training. It was funny because I was stupid to go at that time. I just did a hernia surgery, both sides. Oh, wow. 38 days later, wasn't it, in Uganda. And I went to a hotel and I have 30 uh, growers waiting me for it. Hmm. said, what's the program? And I said, I'm asking you, where's the car? I said, mm. which car? So we need to go to the farm. Mm. And he told me, no. I said, man, if I'm going to do a PowerPoint presentation here, we could do by Skype. Mm. You know, they spent 10,000 grand to send me here. You want me to teach a PowerPoint here in this? No, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to this room. It was stupid. You know, going up to the Sip Falls was with air and hurting yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, we went there and went to a farm. Oh. And I was videoing, and uh, she was telling what they do with the coffee. And I was worried about the potato taste in the coffee. Mm. And uh, when I, she was driving, I said, but she, she has like a, doing a select harvest. We went and a bunch of people, they are dressing like they are going to the, to the mass that, mm -hmm. that Sunday. 
it's the, it's how they, they they dress. I didn't yeah. know that they dress different way that we work in Brazil. Yeah. So they harvest the coffee, uh-huh. cup of fruit to harvest, and they start she started the pooping by hand, yeah. showing us what to do. And I told her, but this coffee is not ripe yet. Yeah. I said, what do you mean? And I said, this is not completely uh, red. It's you see you see some lines that is still immature. Yeah. Said, no 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 no. After the yellow, they told us that is good, and I said, no, it's not. Yeah. So this is what they don't understand, that the coffee that is not completely ripened, you're going to have the peanut taste, it's not enough sugar inside of the yeah. coffee. The, the, it's not ripened yet, it's like you're eating a uh, raw banana or, 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 or green banana. Or When I meet green banana, it's the Brazilian banana, when it's green, it's you know, dry and you're astringent. And, but they believe that it works. You know, I came to them and I told them that, you know, I want to talk to you guys about uh, the, the machine that it's, uh, if you don't have water, you have problems with water. Maybe the semi-washed machine, if you want to remove the mucilate and do a wash it. And they laugh at me. I was in the hotel and they laugh at me. I said, does not, such machine does not exist. When we went to their mill, where they bring the coffee to process, the guy there already has one there for, uh-huh. for it, the, the, the mucilate, you know? Yeah. So, so I think that in, in, in Africa, uh, and if you saw Ethiopia and you see the regular coffee, it's like in Brazil. Most of the coffee are not good. Mm. The coffee could be good, but you, you see the coffee, you see so much green, so much black, so much. Uh, and this is what kind of the Quaker, because the Quaker is nothing else than the coffee that is immature. Yeah, that's true. I can't do the select harvest like they do in Colombia, mm. because the cost of my labor is much more yeah. expensive than the other place. Yeah. But I have the way to remove that green yeah, somewhere you're, you're, in, in, you're, you're in, in... You're compensating that later on in the, in the dry mill especially, right? But uh, the only way to, to really have... to think that this coffee is clean? I can't promise this here, but sooner or later, I'm going to have... I'm going to the opposite. Everybody wants machines, right? Mm. To speed up the thing. I'm going to the opposite. Mm. The only way that you can really select... The, don't tell me that the select the color machine does 100%. Doesn't. Even if it does, like I did this couple of times, I need to pass and pass and pass and pass again. But what happened is, to remove one bad bean, I remove a lot of good beans. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's air, right? Mm. I can't remove only this one. Mm. So it's couple before and couple later, when you put before and descend in... in, in uh, so the only problem, the only way that to really remove everything to have the coffee 100% clean, like they do in Costa Rica. I know that they do a lot. Mm. Belt. Yeah. People picking by hand. Mm. You, you can train the women or the men, whatever, who's working there, to pick exactly what you want, even the immatures. Mm. The immatures, the only way that you can remove the immatures is by the density. Mm. But to work with the density, you need to have a small machine. Mm. Usually the density machines, it's, they are big. It's for yeah. 20, 30 bags. Yeah. So if I need to pass two bags, it's almost impossible. Yeah. And you need to pass one, two, Three, four, sure. So I, you know, the same coffee. Yeah. I have, like this Ikatu. Mm. I had probably three lots of Ikatu, mm. the different ones. The first pass, the second pass, and the third pass. Mm. What I do is first I clean everything. So mm. this is the top, mm. right? The second, mm. you know, I have a lot of good beans. I pass again, and I pass again, and sometimes I pass three or four times. And you have the coffee close. But you know, otherwise you're going to lose a lot of coffee. If you do by hand, you're going to have 100% good coffee and no bad beans in your, in your mm-hmm. bean. I have four belts. One, I used it a couple of years ago. 
And uh, it's funny because we, we have the other house and they were building something dead and the, the roof came out. Mm-hmm. Not too much yeah. vibration. It was an old building. And since then, we, it's just in the pad. I think that I showed you in, in, in the warehouse. This year, at least one I want to have. At least for this Maikatu. If I can have only Maikatu, Maikatu I select in a, in a belt. You know, I go to the warehouse in... Uh, did you go to the warehouse? Yeah, 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 clean. yeah, yeah. sure. So that warehouse is different. Yeah. You know, and the guy doesn't care. That guy that worked there, his cousin worked for me for 20 years. If I ask him to pass 100 times, he's going to pass 100 times. He's going to charge me and he doesn't ask me. You know, and uh, when you go to the co-op, the guy said, no, but if you do this, you want to spend every time you need to charge you. I'm not asking you. I ask you to have the coffee. And I never had uh, the coffee that we had like this year in, mm. in, in that warehouse. Mm. But as my dad told me once, nobody can do the work the way that you do. Yeah. You're supposed to do yourself in your place. Yeah. You know, so I'm still using the other warehouse. One of the reasons it's in Brazil it's a little tricky, you can't let the coffee at the farm. Yeah. So when we mill the coffee, immediately, every day, 5 p.m., we stop at 4 and 5 p.m. the coffee is leaving to town. Mm. If you have 10 bags, you can have people coming to steal your coffee. Yeah, sure. So uh, I will need to put this in, uh, in I need to, to rent a warehouse in town and put in, in, in warehouse in town so I can keep the coffee there. But sooner or later, we're going to do this. It's the only way that you can improve the quality of your coffee. It's the labor. Nobody can do. Machine can do what you can do. It's like automatic machine. No, mm. no automatic machine can roast like you. Yeah, sure. Because it's a process, right? Mm. So uh, I think that Brazil is, is starting to work about coffee. And you know what's fun? 1975, we have the big froze, right? Mm. So goat's poop. Looks like coffee. Yeah. You can sell that shit that time. Because no coffee. We lost 20 million bags of coffee. 27 million bags in one year. Mm. So can you imagine if you remove 27 million today, how much the price is going to go up? So the price went so up in the Brazil. My dad used, you saw that farm. That farm is from 19, that was built in 1950 some. Mm. That uh, washing station. No coffee there. Only processing Mm. in that farm. And, uh, when we bought the farm, uh, my father bought to use the, the, the exchange with another one because they struck no coffee there. In uh, five years, six years later, they bought the farm. We had the frost in, uh, in Paraná. And every coffee worth a lot of money. In the Brazil, what they stopped to do? Stopped to do quality. Yeah. 1985. I was in the farm, 1986. No, no, it was 1990. Ili mm. uh, was buying coffee in Brazil. It was the first one that started buying coffee. And uh, Cerrado was pretty new, was basically 10 years old, and Ili buys 100% of their coffee from Cerrado. In their competition, the top 50, top 50 was from Cerrado, were from Cerrado at that time. And they usually they buy only, only natural. With the climate change, they stopped and started to buy the, 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 the puppet natural. And my father was a copper, and I was a good copper. And I tell today that he was scoring the coffee without giving the numbers, because he called strictly soft, and he started putting plus, plus, plus. So strictly soft, five plus, probably equivalent to a 90-point coffee today. You know? And we were doing the interview in a, the radio station, and all the producers in, in the country, 
in, in the town. And one guy was very expert. He was working in a big company and was working in this another guy that my father buys and sells coffee. This guy too, they have the, 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 the dry meal. You know? And my father said, I had that day a result from Ely. And my father said about the strictly soft coffee, and the guy said, Ah, Zinho, you know that Cerrado doesn't have strictly soft coffee. The reason is after the 75, nobody cares about the coffee. Mm. And the coffee was the same, so. And my father, no, I disagree. Yeah, you, you do have. He said, nobody going to score Cerrado coffee. What about Ili? Not even Ili. And I gave him two certificates that I just sold to Ili. He said, could you read this for me? He said, what is it? No, no, just read this for me. And he, he doesn't want to read. I said, if you don't read, I'm going to tell you. Ili said that this coffee is strictly soft, like you said. That mm. People think that Brazil only to have the massive production. It's a hard. So if you see the guys cupping coffee in Brazil today, they write the, the roast example in three to four minutes. Mm. It's yes or no. They are not looking for uh, quality. They are looking for defect. If it says moldy or something, it's easy when it's, it's lighter than a, So if you, if you see the, the, the guys that, the cuppers that come to, to do the Q class in the roaster ID, they always fail. They got the three minutes as the right one. Because it's what they are used to do. Yeah. So it's, we stop to evaluate the coffee as coffee. We stop it's bad or not. If it's okay. So you see a lot of uh, immatures and all, all the stuff. As we are talking about Ethiopia today. People that felt in 63 craters that calibrate Q, 15 felt. This 15, five of the top coppers in Ethiopia back in the days. They stopped to cupping and they stopped to learning about their coffees. So, you know, cupping is something that you, you can't stop. Mm. You know, my father was 90, was still, still doesn't have evidence in the same part, but still. I have the last picture I have with him was 92 cupping with me yeah. at the academy. And That's mad cool. because I have some fruity coffee that yeah. is like, this is for men. This is not good. <laughs> Keep the coffee clean. Yeah. So I think uh, we have a lot of things, uh, a lot of way to go. And uh, I truly believe that this fruity uh, ferment coffee is going to change. You know, because I don't think that everybody's going to like in a, Ask everybody that is more than 10 years in the coffee how they think about this fruity coffee. Sure. Or either they are making money and they start to promoting their coffee because they are making money. Mm. Some like some that are selling to Japan or, or Asian markets. Or throw this year we had a fun. We had an academy and we had one coffee, our coffee. Honey. That we handled that was terrible. Mm. I'm not saying the name, but one of the world-known copper came and scored 92 in the coffee. I look at him and I said, what? And I have another very clean coffee that he scored 85. And I said, do you see the change? The, no, no, this is, it's not. He was thinking about who is buying that coffee. Mm. And you know, it's, it's not the coffee, at least for me, it's not the coffee for you. Mm. It's extremely for me. I process the coffee. This is what I ask you about the honey. Mm. So I had a couple of experience and the black honey was not that good. Sure. The only honey that we did good is the one that we did two kilos by hand. We got only the cherry. Uh, it's a friend of mine did at the academy without a, 
He actually put the coffee in a, in a little barrel. Mm-hmm. I think that was for two days. Only harvest and put inside. When you open, you have a lot of liquid inside. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is from the mucilage. And that's the one that was very good, but I can't do that by hand. No, no, <laughs> so I did like about 200, 300. Yeah. The academy. And we tried one in my place because my, 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 the popper used a lot of water. We did by hand. So we dropped and got without the water. Didn't, didn't go well. So it was extremely fruity in uh, the way that I think that's over. So it's something that uh, I think that we're going to give up. At least the black honey, we don't want to, mm. to do. You know, maybe, like you said, the yellow honey or yellow washer, right? I mean, well, whatever you want to call it, right? I think the, the important thing, I mean, we, we need a range of coffees, right? In that sense, I'm, I'm, I'm not against people experimenting with processing. I think it's, a, it's an important part of innovation is, right? We need to learn. And that's how we learn. Um, we just hope that the, the cycle of trends come back to, to cleaner coffees, right? That's really what we're looking for. Yeah, I think that the clean is the key. Yes. You know, the fruit is okay if it's clean. Mm. But it's over, fruit is, is not clean. Yeah. No, we want the coffee that we want to drink every day. I think so. And I mean, the, the clean coffees are those. And, and we're, we're going to wrap this up now. But I think the, for, for those of you listening to this, make sure to try the coffee. I mean, we're, we're going to have it out the, at this time as well. And it's a great example of what you actually can get when you have a really clean cup of Brazilian coffees, right? I mean, it's, um, it's amazing floral notes. It's amazing fruity notes as well. Um, and I think most of you, if to try this, you are going to change your mind on, on Brazilian coffee if you haven't already done that. But uh, thank you, Bruno. I really appreciate you. you taking the time to, uh, to sit thank down you. and talk with us. Yeah. And I'm waiting for you in Brazil. You're going to prepare Well, we're going to come, for sure. At yeah. least a micro lot. Yeah, I definitely. told you, five days at the farm will be enough to have the coffee processed the way that you need for yeah. Amazing. I'm looking forward to that. From us here at April, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you.